Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Such a blessing, this, this book. It was written by a Jewish uh, a, a Jewish lady who had turned to Jesus Christ, and she uh, had such insight in this. But she said, the king, to, under, to say the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, one of the easiest ways uh, to understand that is to just switch out those words for how Jesus or how God interacts with his people. So anytime you come across a scripture reference that says the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, if you took that out and you put in how God interacts with his people, with his people, it really gives you a whole new level of understanding and what Jesus is talking about. That it's not just about then and there, heaven one day, or here on earth when he comes back after the millennium, we have eternity here. No, it even has truths for us here and now that are really important for us to understand. Um, If we've submitted to the straight way, if we've decided to follow Jesus, if we've been born again, we're a part of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, and we're a partner in it. We're called to be a partner. Let's read chapter 4, starting verse 26. And it says... And he said, Jesus said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and then should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear, but when the fruit is brought forth immediately or straightway, he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It's like the grain of a mustard seed, which when it's sown in the earth, it's, it's less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becomes greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake He the word unto them as they were able to hear it, but without a parable, spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all these things to his disciples. Before we study this, let's pray. Lord, as we look into your word this morning, your Holy Spirit is here. He's present in the lives of believers. He's present collectively as we've gathered together. And I pray that he would have free reign to impart the truths that we've already sung about, but even the truths here now as we study your word uh, into our hearts. Lord, if um, there needs to be changes made in our lives, I pray that he would, he would find hearts open and yielded. I pray that he would use the power of your word and that Uh, the Holy Spirit would transform us, even this morning, in the image of Christ, and then encourage and empower us to call others to the kingdom of God as we go about our lives, even this week, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at the kingdom of God. It's phenomenal in its beginning, verses 26 to 29, and I want to look at two different roles. There's the role of the redeemed, that's you and I, those who've trusted Christ as Savior, and then the role of the Redeemer. First, the role of the redeemed, God's kingdom. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Phenomenal, remarkable, extraordinary in its beginning. And verse 26 tells us what the role of the redeemed is. Jesus said, so is the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is how God interacts with his people. 
It's as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Well, we've seen this parable before. Just two weeks ago, he went through the parable of the sower and the seed and, and the soil. Even the last few weeks, he's been having kind of an agricultural type of uh, object lesson for us. But this is our role. We're to be sowers. If you've trusted Christ the Savior, this is what you and I are to do. We're to be casting, as it says here in verse 26, cast seed into the ground. As we are going, that's what we're going to find in the next verse, but that's what Jesus tells us in the Great Commission, Matthew 18, uh, um, Matthew 28, 18 and 20. Jesus says that as you are going, you're to be making disciples. Well, the very first part of that is telling them the gospel, having them trust Christ, and then it doesn't stop there. It goes on to helping them become followers of Jesus. This is what his church, the redeemed, this is our role in God's kingdom work. So it's sharing the gospel with the lost. It's sharing the gospel with the saved. That's why we're here this morning. That's what we do in Sunday school. It's what we do in Awana and Amped and Bible studies. We're to be sharing the gospel, yes, with those who've never trusted Christ, calling them to trust Christ, but also sharing the gospel with the saved, continuing to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's our role as the redeemed, as part of God's kingdom. We're to be partners in that kingdom. You and I have the privilege of doing this. It's not a uh, commission that's uh, something terrible that we get to do. We've got the, we have the privilege of doing this. Just one aspect of it. We have the privilege of doing this this morning, joining worship. Sunday school teachers out here, thank you for doing what you do this morning. Awana leaders and teachers, thank you for doing what you do for God's kingdom. It's a great privilege that you and I get to be part of the kingdom of God and expanding it. It's phenomenal in its beginning. We learned two weeks ago that we should be planting seeds uh, profusely, like everywhere. That, that guy, he, he put it everywhere, right? On good ground, bad ground, wayside, thorny ground. He just cast it out there. He didn't decide where to put it. He just followed the command of God and, and put out that seed, put out the gospel. We're going to put it out profusely and with perseverance. We're supposed to do it all the time, not just when we feel like it, not just when we're happy. We're to do it all of the time, just like him. This is the great commission. That's what we call it. You realize it's a commission. I don't do it myself. I'm not. We do it together. You, you don't do it yourself. You, we, we are the church, and we do this. See? We do it together. It's awesome. Uh, it's a privilege that we get. We don't do it even as this church by ourselves. It's a commission. We do it with him. We do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. God help us never to do it without that. It will have no fruit without that. But we do it together. It's a, a co-mission. And what we find here in verse 27 is that that is the extent of our role. All right, we cast the seed out. And now that's a blessed thing. You might think, well, I don't, I don't have any more to do, any more responsibility. Nope. I'm so glad God calls us to prayerfully, and depending on the Holy Spirit, but, and profusely and with perseverance to share his word with those who haven't trusted Christ and with those who have, that this is my role, this is your role this is his church's role, and the rest is up to God. The rest is up to God. Aren't you glad that he doesn't call you to save anyone? I am. I can't even save myself. I can't save anyone else. No, but uh, the word of God, it's word of God the, with the power of the Holy Spirit. He takes the word of God that, that you and I have shared. We've done our role. He takes that, and in some incomprehensible way, some phenomenal way, he calls people to life. He calls people to be born again. Do you remember when you, you responded to that call? Do you remember when you were saved, when you decided to trust Christ as Savior? Think about it. I want you to go right back there to that time you've done that. Was it the first time you heard the gospel? It might have been for some of you. 
Was it about the 500th time you heard the gospel? Why then? Why? Can't really come up with a good reason other than God moved, amen? The Holy Spirit moved in you. Somebody was faithful to share it with you, and you, you heard about it. I don't know how it happens. I don't know exactly how that, that's why it's phenomenal. Look at what G Jesus says as much here in verse 27. And he should sleep, the guy who cast seed out. He should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow, and he knoweth not how. The sower plants the seed. That's you and me. This is the role of the redeemed. And what follows as far as our role is concerned is prayerful waiting, prayerful continuing to give out the gospel, even if there wasn't a response initially. Um, it says here, the sower, he sleeps, he rises night and day, he just goes about his business, still faithfully continuing to sow. But what caused that seed to come up? What caused that seed to sprout? What gave, who, who gave the increase? God did. That's God's role, to take that word that you and I have shared and to turn it into one who trusts Christ as Savior. That's the role of the Redeemer. We're going to look at that in a second. But I think it's really important to see what our role is because we can get really frustrated if we start trying to do God's role. Just do our role. Uh, I remember when I first became pastor here or shortly after um, I, I felt God leading me to go through First Peter. I don't know why I prayed about it. God, what message do we need? And I was studying, and I just felt like he wanted us to go through First Peter. So I began preparing uh, in chapter 1. And the first few verses, I come across, and there we have a, a biblical doctrine of election and predestination. And I said, wow, God, really? Right off the bat, this is where you want me to go. Because it ain't been but a few seconds since I said those words, and I've already got some of you probably bristling or at least paying more attention. <laughs> and that's good. Actually, to me, that's a good thing. It's because you love God's Word and you've studied it and you're concerned about it. I'd be more concerned if you weren't bristling. I just don't want to be bristled at, right? <laughs> um, but I shared, I shared with you then what I'll share with you now, and um, it's this. God's Word clearly says that God chose does. And God's word clearly says that you and I and every human being here is responsible to respond to his call of repent and believe. It says both. It says that God chose. And it says that you are responsible to repent and believe. Every single person is responsible to repent and believe. And listen, I commit to be faithful enough to God's word to preach the whole counsel of God that when I come across a passage where it says God chose, we're going to preach God chose. And we're going to uh, study it, and we're going to meditate on it, and we're going to glory in it, and we're going to give God all the glory for it, and we're going to believe it by faith. And when we come to a passage that in our mortal human minds says that I'm responsible and you're responsible, we're going to study it, and we're going to meditate on it, and we're going to give God all the glory for it, and we're going to by faith believe it. Amen? That's what we're called to do. You don't have to, to reconcile it. I have spent 30-some years trying. <laughs> Man, I wanted to reconcile. I still do. I still do. And that's not a bad thing. I, in that pursuit, I have learned so much about God's sovereignty. It's a beautiful thing. It's steadied me in dark, dark times. I've learned also so much about our responsibility, and it's given me a compassion for the lost that steadied me in some dark times like this year when my response shouldn't be um, anger 
toward crazy people, in my mind, crazy people, my, my response should be compassion because they know not Christ. This is what this understanding tells us. Jesus says it himself right here. He knoweth not how. And what I, what I will promise you, God help me, is, is that I will commit to not being involved in any hermeneutical gymnastics that are required to try to reconcile these two truths. That's what happens. I've seen it. Bad things happen when we cannot just by faith believe what God has said, how he presents himself, how he reveals himself. It says right here in verse 27, how does this happen? The Lord does it. This guy knoweth not how. Charles Spurgeon said that. He's one of my favorite. I've come to one of my favorite pastors, theologians from the 1800s. People gave him a rough time. He had Calvinists call him a Calvinist Armenian. He had Armenians call him an Armenian Calvinist. He said, I'm a Biblicist. Listen, this is what he said. The Lord knows how. Verse 27, he knows not how. The Lord knows how without violating the human will, which he never does. The Lord knows how to influence the heart so that a man with full consent against his former sinful will, he yields to the will of God and he is made willing in that day. Lord knows how to do it. Praise the Lord. All glory goes to him. If I, if I be damned and I reject Christ, that's my fault. If any human being be damned and reject Christ, that is his fault. If I accept Jesus Christ, all glory goes to God. It's not of me, it's of him. This is, this is the Bible. And I believe that sums up pretty good what Jesus is teaching here. I believe it best explains why, because this is a good question. Why, when I share the word, sometimes is there an immediate response to the gospel and I see someone get saved? Woo, that's awesome. And sometimes I did the exact same thing. I did the very exact same thing. I shared the exact same passage and they didn't respond. Or at least they didn't respond yet. Have you ever been there? It's frustrating. It just sock takes the wind out of you. Right? And you're like, why, God? I guess I ain't going to share it anymore. Don't work. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not going to do it. It didn't work this time. That's what we do. And so that's why I think it's important that we understand this. Right? What's, what is the role of the redeemed here as it's presented? Cast seed, share the gospel. That's our role. That's it. Nothing else. Man, there's a lot of relief that comes from that. There's a great commission, but there's a lot of relief for me. What's the role of the redeemed? To share the gospel, to plant the seed of the word of God wherever we can, as, as much as we can. Now let's look at the role of the redeemer, verse 28 and 29. It says, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First a blade, then the ear, the full corn in the ear. Let's pause there. This verse tells us that it brings forth fruit of herself. That's kind of an interesting phrase. The Greek word there is automatos. I'll say it a little different. The Greek word there is Automatas. Does it sound like any of our English words where we get automatic or automatically? How does it happen? Automatic, automatically. Can't explain it. Jesus just said that. He knoweth not how. It happens. God does it. God knows how it happens, right? But it just, it happens. And in verse 27, it told us that we as sowers and planters, we knoweth not how all this works. We don't know how, at least in detail. We know who's involved in it, but we may not know in full detail. We can't figure out always why sometimes when we share God's word, there's an immediate response. Somebody gets saved. Sometimes there's a delayed response. Sometimes there's no response to our obedient co-mission efforts. Now, the parable of the sower and the seed in the soil we talked about two weeks ago, I think it was, it gave us some insight right? Um, sometimes the soil's not ready. Sometimes there's other things that choke out what was planted. Sometimes a 
little bird comes up and steals the seed. There's obstructions and obstacles. So, but we, we really aren't to be concerned about that. Harvesting is the redeemer's role. The redeemed are simply called to plant, to cast seed. We're commissioned to spread the gospel message that saves. And the redeemer, he's the one that actually saves. He does the rest. Man, I'm so glad for that. I am so I just want to praise God for that phenomenon, <laughs> that I don't have to close the sale. That's not my responsibility. I don't need to put that pressure on myself. God didn't put it on me. God does that. Uh, just the privilege. You and I get the privilege of being part of this phenomenal kingdom work by planting. Before we move on to the next parable, look at verse 29 there. It says, but the fruit is brought forth immediately. When it is, immediately, straightway, he put it in the sickle because the harvest is come. Speaks of a harvest here. Jesus is teaching his people not just about coming to faith and relationship with him, but also about the consummation of that faith or the end of that faith and relationship with him. Uh, I don't know when that final harvest is scheduled. Jesus himself said he didn't even know while he was on this earth. But based on God's promises, based on signs that Jesus gave us, and he said that you and I ought to be looking for and be awake to, I'd say it's pretty soon. This harvest is pretty soon. It's fast approaching. And so this morning I have to ask here and people watching, uh, have you trusted Christ as Savior? If not, do it today. Don't wait. Obey the movement of the Holy Spirit even this morning as he's presenting the gospel to you and calling you to repent and believe. And Christians, be busy about our co-mission because time is short. Time is short. Now let's look at the second, uh, the second parable here, God's kingdom. It's phenomenal in its breadth. Not breath, breadth, like how wide it is, how big it is. But it's a small, it's a small start. Um, I want to notice how small it is. Think back to the beginning of the kingdom of God, the beginning of the kingdom of heaven. It came with Jesus. So let's go back to the beginning of Jesus, at least here on this earth. Pretty small, isn't it? It's a tiny baby. <laughs> this is the beginning. Uh, tiny baby born in a humble manger, Blue-collar parents. And then even when he begins his ministry, that's where Mark picks it up. As we studied in Mark 1 and 2, he calls his disciples. Even there, kind of small. Wasn't the big, best rabbinical school in Israel where people were applying to be one of his disciples. He goes out and he finds them. He says, come and follow me. Twelve, he starts with. And if we looked at their resume, maybe not the best and brightest if they came across your desk, I don't know if these would be your top 12 to hire to turn the world upside down for God, but God did it. Small start. And look what he did with them, 12. And king is killed. This is the kingdom of God? They killed the king. <laughs> what kind of kingdom is this? But he didn't stay dead, did he? No, but God, God raised him from the dead. 40 days after that, the king ascends to his throne Shortly after that, he sends his Holy Spirit down because those 12 had already become 120. When his Holy Spirit gets down here on that day of Pentecost, Peter goes out and preaches, and that 120 becomes 3,000. Those turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ, and Dublin First Baptist Church is here today. He's trying to make it personal to us. Praise the Lord. That's God's doing. God fulfilling his role when we fulfill ours, even with small starts. Let's talk about here. Bethel Baptist Church, along with people in this community, sense the need for the gospel to reach this community. 
for people to know God, to have relationship with them. And so Bethel Baptist and people from this community get together. I got a picture in my office, 1953. Those front steps there are filled with people from the Bladen Baptist Association celebrating what God's role is when we are obedient in our role. And that a blessed thing, and we're here today. Decades later, God help us to be shining even, uh, you know, should you tarry forever until, until you come back for us. Yesterday, here's another example right there. An OCC packing party is my third. Marie told me, I asked her, I said, when we started this, like maybe 2011, some people did it on their own, and then they started help, you know, doing a church-coordinated thing, 2011. About 300 we did that first year. That's good. That's good. You know, but look at what happens. Even on a year like we've had this year, when we're, when we're faithful to our role, when we obey and we, we follow our role, man, I can't wait to see what God does when, he, when his role gets involved. I can't wait to see what he does. He takes our proverbial two fish and five loaves, right, that these people, you people, who, who have gone out all year sacrificially shopping and spending and buying these things and putting them in the OCC, and you who gave your Saturday up last, you know, yesterday, and he takes this, he takes our prayers, he takes our gifts, and 1,400 boxes are going to go out in the next few months to bring the joy of Christmas, and more importantly, the joy of Jesus Christ to kids all over this world, right here, Guatemala and and Burma, and Moldova, and, you know, all over. Venezuela, all over. Africa. Because we're doing our role, I can't wait to see what God does when we're faithful. Small starts. Small starts. But small starts in God's kingdom, they become phenomenal eventually. That's because he gets involved. I want to read verse 31. It says, uh, it looks... It's like a grain of a mustard seed. That's what God's kingdom is, how God interacts with his people. It's like a grain of a mustard seed, which when it's sown in the earth, it's less than all the seeds that be in the earth. We, you must have had a Sunday school thing about this a couple months ago, maybe even a month, a couple weeks ago, because I've seen little kids running around here with a little bubble with a mustard seed in it. That sounds like a Miss Kitty thing, right? But um, they did. They, had it. they were showing me the mustard seed in a little bubble. It's tiny, isn't it? Have you ever seen one? It takes 750 of them um, to weigh a gram. 750 seeds to weigh one. That's tiny seed. Um, but look what happens. This is what Jesus said. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a grain of mustard seed. Just one. One of those diminutive little seeds when it's planted, uh, God takes, he turns it into a 12-foot tall tree. About 12 foot tall, 12 foot wide. Tiny little, big branches says there. Uh, see, it might have a small start, but when God gets involved, there's a massive maturation. That's what he's talking about here. Verse 32, when it is sown, it groweth up. Let's go back to that first phrase, when it is sown. Whose role is that? It's ours. He's still talking about our role here. When it, when it is, it's got to be sown, <laughs> So when it is sown, though, look what happens. It groweth up, and it becomes greater than all herbs, and it shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. What is he talking about there, fowls of the air? I'd, I'd have to agree with most commentators and theologians that he's talking about you and me, because most of us here don't have a whole lot of Jewish uh, ethnic uh, ancestry. 
But um, I believe Jesus is talking about when Gentiles were brought in. It's about to happen here. It's about to happen just in a, a few years when he gives his life. And then the Pentecost goes out, and then they go out all over the world, and Gentiles are brought into salvation. I believe that's what, what Jesus is, is saying here. A seed of faith planted by Abraham. Let's go back, because the gospel didn't start in Matthew Mark. It started in Genesis. A seed of faith planted by a man named Abraham. God called him. God came to Abraham, and he said, follow me. Go where I tell you to go. And when you do that, he said, in you, Abraham, I want to give you a son. He said, I don't have a son. I want to give you a son. And in fact, you're going to have great descendants. And in you, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. How did that happen? How did God fulfill that promise? We see it here. Jesus comes to earth. And it's not a savior for the Jewish people. It's a savior for all people. Jesus comes, a little baby. We see the promise fulfilled to Abraham thousands of years later when one of Abraham's descendants is born as a tiny little baby in this tiny little village of Bethlehem. Micah called it that. He said, oh, Bethlehem, you're the tiniest among all the villages in Judah. But God does big things with small starts. We see that there's a tiny baby in a tiny town. He grows up at the beginning of Mark, calls to repent and believe to call us to uh, respond because the kingdom of heaven is at hand to follow him on the straight way. And then he comes to die as payment for our sins, rise from the grave that we'd have a sovereign savior. And not just for the children of Abraham by genetic descent, but also for you and I who, as Paul says in Galatians 3, 7, therefore know that only those who are of faith are the children of Abraham. So all that believe and receive, just as Abraham did, all that uh, are obedient to their role as he was, we are now part of the kingdom of God and we're called to be partners of it. Verses 33 and 34, uh, Jesus explains that from this point on, he's going to only teach in parables. A lot of people didn't understand, um, but from this moment on, he's only going to teach in parables to everybody that was within earshot. But then he explained those parables to those who are able to hear it. And that's you this morning. It's all of us. I mean, we've heard the parable, and we've heard the explanation of the parable from Christ this morning. Now, what will you do with Jesus? That's been his question. What will you do with Jesus? Have your ears heard this morning? Now, will they heed what they've heard? Maybe there's one here, one watching, who's never trusted in Christ. This is the first time you heard the gospel, or this is the time when the Holy Spirit is grabbing it and trying to move it from here down to here, and he wants you to trust him as Savior. Don't don't delay. Do that this morning. We're going to have a time invitation in a minute. And you can do that by coming forward if you need to. You, can, you don't need to do it that way. I'd love to explain how it is. It says right out in the back of the bulletin what it means to trust Christ as Savior. It's you confessing your sins. You, you ask trusting that Jesus paid the penalty for him, and you decide to follow him. That's what it means. So call out to him even while I'm talking right now and tell him that. On our website, it has what it means to be saved. For those who have, Christian, you are a part of the kingdom of God. Are you a partner in it? I mean, every day, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, and I know a lot of you do that. I'm so thankful. What a great blessing it is to be in a church with teachers and nurses and people in the community. And I know you're shining the light of Christ there. Keep on. Keep on doing it. Keep on sharing. Keep on casting seed. I know I get frustrated. And I understand. I did it, and it didn't, nothing happened this time. Just do your role. Let God do his role. Watch what will happen. You might not ever know this side of heaven. Might not know this side of glory. What happened when you were faithful. And God did his role. Just keep doing it. If God's calling you this morning to be encouraged, commit this morning. Look, I will trust you, Lord. I'll do my role. You do yours. And don't disregard the diminutive. 
Don't scorn small starts because God does really big things with small starts. When we're faithful to our role, we get the blessing and the privilege of seeing him be active in his. There's an old song. We should have, maybe we should have sang this. I won't change it up on him at the end. But little is much when God is in it. You know that song, that chorus? Little is much when God is in it. That's the truth. So look, be faithful, Christian, in the seemingly small stuff. And then watch God, watch in worship as God causes a massive maturation. Now, we'll call, let's all stand. We're going to sing, um, I Surrender All. That's a good one.